soon as they know themselves and have been meeting weekly and in constant email and phone communication. They said we have been looking at every permutation we can think of as to how it will be safe and viable for us to open as soon as we are allowed. Milford Haven Street Food Festival will return this year on August Bank Holiday from the 28th to the 30th. The festival will be setting up camp at Milford Waterfront for the third year running with a brand new sponsor in the shape of Jubel Beer who will be on hand to serve their fruity beer all weekend. Days will begin at noon and last until 10 o'clock in the evening and the festival is split into three mouth-watering portions. From meat feasts to sweet treats, from carnivores to vegans and everything in between, everyone will be able to get their hands on a range of delicious grub from all over the world. Spices Meat Wagon, Chuck Shop and the Two Lads Kitchen are just some of the vendors that will be attending the weekend, with many more both local and national vendors to be announced. Organisers have been searching all corners of the kitchen to bring you some of the best variety of street food to graze on. Clark's Kitchen and their halloumi fries or the little peppercorn and their juicy burgers and so much more. Whether you want to stick to what you know or go on a culinary adventure, there is something for everyone. You can grab your tickets online at milfordhavenstreetfoodfestival.eventbrite.co.uk. A man who was enjoying a holiday away in Spain was, at the very same time, accused of dropping a cigarette butt in Tembe. Mark Ward of Sheffield was found not guilty of littering in Lower Frog Street after standing trial at Haverford West Magistrates on Monday, July 20th. Jeff Harries, prosecuting on behalf of Pembrokeshire County Council, said an enforcement officer approached a man on May 22nd after spotting a cigarette end being discarded in the street. Two letters were sent to the London address provided by the man who identified himself as Mark Ward when a £150 fixed penalty notice went unpaid. Mr Ward, who represented himself, stated the officer was mistaken as he was in Spain at the time of the incident and was four inches taller than the description of the offender. He said, I have always insisted that I was not even in the country at the time of the offence. 56-year-old Ward said he had never been to Tembe and provided a photograph his wife had taken of him in Spain within minutes of the officer taking a picture of the alleged offender. Flight details for May 18th and 30th were also handed to the bench along with receipts showing his bank card had been used at the holiday location on that date. Ward was unable to explain why a London address had been provided as he lived in his Sheffield home for 31 years. He added that he was not the man pictured in the image taken by the enforcement officer Magistrates found Harry's not guilty and dismissed the case. I'm Charlie James, and you're up to date on Pure West Radio. This is Pure West Radio. And this is the West Files on Pure West Radio. It was a weird one. Man in two places at the same time, except he wasn't. And uh, yeah, actually, I'm. I'm I was wondering where my co host is, um, who should be in two places at one time. Let's all join hands and hold a seance and see if we can find out what's happening with my co-host, Ronnie. Are you there, Ronnie? Is that one knock for yes or two for no? A knock on the head in a minute. Why are you still in (laughs) lockdown anyway? Why are you still hiding? Because I've got to hide until the 16th of August. Yeah, you know, I think you're the last person left on the... um... I know, but I'm not allowed down there till the 16th. I know. Rules, rules, rules. Mm-hmm. We're not even going on to rules. Yeah, it's all changed down here, you know. You will recognise the place when you get back. Yeah, well, I have missed it a bit. Oh, there we are. Should we have the theme tune? We can do, yeah, why not? Yeah, let's go for the theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's go for it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the West Files. <laughs> People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down, when you're strange. When you're strange, no one remembers your name. When you're strange, when you're strange, when you're strange. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down. strange my my co-host just informed me that her name is actually uh, jessica turner and she lives at 27 saint wherever's lane in liverpool which is strange you can speak to me ronnie oh hello 
Hello, Jessica. Are you well? Hello. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we were, we were talking about that, the news item, yeah, weren't people we? People don't realise that we can talk to one another when they're listening to the music. It's um... Well, I was singing to the music, so lucky for them, we were, you know, they couldn't hear me. Yeah, I've, unfortunately, yeah, that's, one of the, that's one of the great benefits of lockdown. You're not in the studio singing alongside me. I know. A- anyway, you know... <clears throat> Because we've been in lockdown, uh, you you probably know I have a a childhood obsession, not just with ghosts, but aeroplanes. Oh, yes, you're you're my plane spotter, yeah. Yeah, and um, it occurred to me that I've got a series of books on the shelf called Ghost Stations, which are all about haunted RAF aerodromes. Ah. And I think they're up to about number book nine or book ten. Mind you, it doesn't surprise me that you have them. It occurred to me that there can't be... I, I almost can't think of a single RAF airfield or even airport, modern civil airport, that doesn't have a ghost story. They're like hospitals and nursing homes, you know. They've all got ghost stories attached to them. And, Gosh. Uh, so I started rummaging around and I went through the archives of the Society for Psychical Research and uh, discovered another of those terrifying archive recordings those uh, ones that were made back in the 1970s um, oh so we're, we're, we're going to have that uh, in part two. Oh, brilliant um, but I thought you know what we're going to because we've got we're not exactly short of airfields out here in West Wales are we that is true you know that we've got uh, we've got Withybush and Rudd Baxton yeah. and Carew and yeah. we've Templeton. got we've got Templeton and we've got uh, the seaplane base um, and we've got uh, Dale and St David's and uh, we've got a lot everywhere. of airfields. Hey, did you Obviously did you know that, that you know. an angle RAF angle? Did you yeah. know that angle is the only re- base got nothing to do with ghosts? Uh, this 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 story. But there's a fantastic bit of video, uh, which you can go and dig out on YouTube. And uh, one of the Sunderland flying boats that were based in the Haven up until 1954, I think. Um, or it might be 57. Anyway, uh, one of them, he, this was in World War II, he takes off and he has a problem. And he's got a hole in the hull of the flying boat. So he, does, he decides, I'm not going to land on the water, otherwise I'm going to end up like the other one at the bottom of the Haven. Yeah. And he landed on the grass at RAF Angle next to oh the gosh. Um, and there's a video of him doing it it's the only time a Sunderland flying boat has landed without its wheels on land fantastic ploughed a huge oh. furrow right down the middle and then they all get out and look at the like put potatoes in there <laughs> yeah but you know I don't know that many uh, RAF or we've also got the Royal Naval Air Station airfields here because Carew was uh, started life as a Royal Naval Air Station. Uh, mm. Brodie, RAF Brodie, was uh, RNAS Goldcrest. Um, it was a Royal Naval Air Station. Yeah. And there must be ghost stories, but they haven't made it into any of these books. Ah, so I thought, strange. well, it's a bit strange. I thought, there must be somebody out there that knows. There's got to be. So, uh, so I'm waiting for them to all start frantically uh, coming onto the pay, onto the uh, messaging, and let us know if if you know of any good ghost stories in our airfields here in West Wales, because there has, has to be. be. Because I mean, they're not brand necessarily brand new airfields; they're older airfields. So th- there must be some form of ghost stories somewhere attached to them. Well, I imagine there would be. Um, 
Like, while I'm doing this, you can monitor you can monitor our social media then, since you're doing nothing else with the gin and tonic in your hand. That'd be interesting. Um, if you have any, if you know of any ghosts it. or uh, stories related to ghosts uh, that uh, are specific to the aerodromes of West Wales. So St David's and Dale and Angle and Carew, Withybush and Rudd Baxter and, and Templeton. Don't forget Templeton. I didn't. You just jumped <laughs> in on me. I know. But, uh, you know, they're everywhere. I mean, I'll dig out a couple. In fact, I did. A few years ago, I was involved in a, a, I was in a research project for um, some stuff I was writing at the time. And I asked for people to send in their responses. You know, have you seen or do you know of any ghosts, uh, ghosts that haunt aerodromes? Mm. And I've managed to find a few. I've, I've dragged out a few. Now, most of these relate to the East Coast. So uh, this one comes from RAF Wickenby in Lincolnshire. In fact, most of them will come from Lincolnshire because it was, um, it was the subject of the piece I was working on at the time. And at Wickenby, they have figures that are known to haunt the runway in the control room. Footsteps and scraping sounds are heard through the walls. And quite commonly, actually, a pilot appears... Um, and disappears. Now, Wickenby was um, was a bomber station built purposely uh, in World War Two, and although it was only operational for a short period of time, uh, more than one thousand people, uh, aircrew were lost on operations from Wickenby, from RAF Wickenby. Um, in cl- one of the um, station, those station there was the uh, TV presenter and goon Michael Benteen. And he worked there during the war. He was stationed there as an intelligence operator, an intelligence officer. And Benteen walked past his fellow, one of his fellow officers, uh, walking one night, and they exchanged greetings. And uh, the next morning, Benteen discovered that his fellow officer had actually been dead for 48 hours. Ouch. So that was one from Michael Benteen himself um, before he passed away. Um, another one from Lincolnshire, this is from RAF Bimbrook, which was home of the lightning interceptors back in the day. Um, I think it's a housing estate now. But the <laughs> former officer's mess at RAF Bimbrook is haunted, and a number of ghosts have uh, been reported there. The best known is Sergeant Sinclair, an Australian, uh, who managed to blow himself up, uh, attempting, uh, I think he was trying to sabotage uh, a Lancaster bomber uh, in the Second World War. And after his death, his presence has been seen lurking around the base, walking the road surrounding the airfields, waving his arms in the air at the runway, attempting to flag aircraft down. Other sightings at Bimbrook include an officer in full RAF uniform who then disappears when he is approached and spoken to. Oh, there we are. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's just a couple to warm us up for later on. Um, and we do have a Teller of Curious Tales as well, which I don't think has got an REF theme. Um, but uh, let's have a little music and uh, let people's imagination run riot. But if you do have, um, if, you, if you know of any ghost stories related to one of the airfields in West Wales, uh, the list is extensive. Oh, yeah. Even more extensive if you include all the relief landing grounds. But um, let us know. And, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. Ronnie, who is keeping a close eye on the messaging side of things tonight with her gin and tonic. Or should I say Jessica? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll be back after John Lemon. I'm Jessica tonight. See you soon. Yes. 
Rattles my bum like berserk While we're singing Don't forget your shovel If you want to go and work My dad's probably had a bloody hard day But he's been good fun And bubbling and joking way And the procession of cars Stuck behind Are getting all impatient and angry But we don't mind Holding up the bypass Oh Me and my dad having a tough laugh Oh, oh. Sitting on the toolbox Oh And I'm so glad I'm not in school, boss So glad I'm not in school Oh, no And we pull over let cars pass And pull off again speeding by this summer green grass And we're like giants up here in our big yellow digger Like zoids or transformers or maybe even bigger And I want to transform into a Tyrannosaurus Rex And eat up all the bullies and the teachers and their pets And I'll tell all my mates my dad's behavior up is only with a JCB and Bruce Lee's nunchuckers. And we're holding up the bypass. Oh, me and my dad having a top laugh. Oh, whoa. sitting on the toolbox. Oh, and I'm so glad I'm not in school, boss. So glad I'm not in school. And we're holding up the bypass. Oh, me and my dad having a top love Oh, oh, I'm sitting on the toolbox Oh, and I'm so glad I'm not in school box So glad I'm not in school 
Said I'm Luke, I'm five, and my dad's Bruce Lee. Drives me round in his JCB. I'm Luke, I'm five, and my dad's Bruce Lee. Drives me round in his JCB. I'm Luke, I'm five, and my dad's Bruce Lee. Drives me round in his JCB. I'm Luke, I'm five, and my dad's Bruce Lee. Drives me round, and we're holding up the lighthouse. Whoa, and me and my dad having a top laugh. Dad's Bruce Lee drives me round in his JCB. I'm Luke on five, but my dad's Bruce Lee drives me round in his. I'm Luke on five, but my dad's Bruce Lee drives me round in his JCB. I'm Luke on five, but my dad's Bruce Lee drives me round in his JCB. Can never hear that song without thinking of uh, Bob the Builder. There we are. Uh, you're listening to uh, the West Files uh, with Stephen. <laughs> what was it? What was the digger? Was it Muck? Anyway, I don't know. I'm sure it was. Bob the Builder. Yeah. Bob the Builder. Builder. Can he yeah. Anyway, fix it? Bob the Builder. No. No, he can't. he can't. Yeah, there's another version of that, though, isn't there? Yeah. Anyway, I know, tonight we're we're, we're, yeah. We're, we're, we're yeah we're we're touching upon the world of the paranormal and the world of. Um, Aviation and World War Two and bomber command airfields and the aerodromes of West Wales, which don't seem to have. There's a guy called Bruce Barry Halpenny who's uh, written a eight or nine books called Ghost Stations, which are stories of haunted RAF and Royal Naval Air Stations and, of course, the American United States Army Air Forces bases um, around the UK. Um, but the Pembrokeshire ones are all missing. And I was racking my brains thinking, I don't know any. I've heard bits of bits and bobs. Yeah. Um, you know, there's supposed to be something that haunts Carew Airfield. Um, there's supposed to be something that haunts uh, Withybush, RAF, uh, was RAF Withybush during the war. Um, but there is just nothing tangible. And I thought, I know, I'll ask, I'll ask our listeners because they're bound to know. Well, there must be somebody out there that has got some stories. There's got to be. Because why would the majority of airfields, airbases, have ghosts, and yet Pembrokeshire don't? Well, possibly because um, most of the operational flying in World War II, because all of the ghost stories tend to relate to, uh, obviously, the wartime operations of the bases. Um over here on the west coast a lot of it was uh, predominantly training command or coastal command Mm. so the loss rate was a lot lower but also there wasn't the sort of like brave young men um, and we had before over a thousand lost at Wickenby uh, crew lost at Wickenby Um, and that was the thing you know they they lived their lives to the full and they went out um, you know night after night they didn't know whether they were coming back whereas on the west side of the uk um we just uh you know it was predominantly they were training or we had the brave guys in the flying boats um but a lot of them did come back so maybe i i don't know maybe that's got something to do with it but let's have a you know looking at some of the other ones that we've got um, oh yeah 
we we have um it's again it's because it's lincolnshire because that's where the research was being based from um when i was doing the research onto some of the airfield ghosts i've got a nice one from metheringham uh, in lincolnshire because lincolnshire was absolutely is a hot spot for hauntings haunted airfields and this is uh, the, uh, the metheringham has several a lot of these east coast airfields do have several but this one is called the metheringham metheringham lass who stands oh, lass. at the who's lass l-a-s-s who stands at oh. the side of the road at what was once RAF Metheringham. The figure of the young woman named Catherine Bystock, who was a WAF, um, who had been engaged to a, a flight sergeant on bomber operations, allegedly appears. It is reported that she was killed in a motorcycle accident close to the site and that her ghost appears in summer months around 930 p.m. So, if you're listening to the show in here, RAF Metheringham in Lincolnshire, it's 9.30 on a summer's evening. Um, might be worth going to have a look. I might just be, yeah, just just have a quiet look around you, because she's been haunting that same spot for over 60 years. Wow. So, uh, well, actually, if she's been haunting it for 60 years, then maybe she's not a World War II one. Hmm. So... But she could be waiting for a long-lost love. Oh, like the Broadhaven, like the lady at Broadhaven, up on the cliffs. Yep. Um, although we haven't had a report of her for a few years. But interesting, I got contacted this week by uh, a lady who, I don't want to I, I, I don't want to say the name because I haven't had permission to give away the name. But, That's fair uh, enough. But was telling me that um, down in Nayland... Uh, the sound of clippy-cloppy horses' hooves and a carriage um, in the wee small hours of the morning. When cl- oh. And looking out of the window, of course, there was no clippy-cloppy horse and no carriage. Um, just the sounds. Just the sounds. So oh. um, that's another one. If you know, the fact, yeah, you can help out there too, because if you know anything about uh, ghosts and hauntings in and around Nayland, particularly uh, Honeyborough Green, the top end of Nayland, uh, I'd love, you know, love get, love to you to get in touch and help us solve this particular conundrum that's that's come up this week, because yeah. we're trying to figure out. Or indeed, if you were, were you riding a horse um, through Nayland at two forty-five in the morning, a week or so ago, I and if, wasn't. And if so, not you. Oh, get in touch and tell <laughs> us why you were riding a horse through Nayland at <coughs> quarter to three in the morning. That's going to be very interesting. That would be very very interesting. Yes. So yeah, so yeah. This is how we we need people to help us uh, because mm. ghosts are all about witnesses. You know, we yeah. we we can only sort of play catch up, and we get these well, accounts, and we want to find out more about them. Especially uh, yeah, because I'm I'm very very intrigued in the fact that there are no. I'm very but intrigued by the fact that you just faded completely away, then. Where did I fade to? I don't know. Oh, You're back God. now, though. Okay. Um, the fact that there's no definite or, you know, sort of um, stories or, or tales of ghosts in Pembrokeshire with the airfields. Well, there's bits of them. Um, you know, but there's nothing. There's, as a, you there's said, a bit of know. a story relating to Kerry. Um There's a bit of a story relating to Ari mm. Bush. There's a bit of a story linked to Templeton. 
But so this is why we need really our hard listeners. to get the details. Mm. Uh, our listeners need to work this week. They do, and you know, there's lots of things they can help us with. This this new one in Nayland that's that's come up um, oh, yeah. at the top end of Nayland. Uh, the, the sound of horse and carriage in the stupid o'clock in the morning, and I'm still trying to find out the, the how the uh, American the the ghost that's seen on the road between Portline and Langham got the name American Jack. Oh, why? I've heard of that one. And why? I've heard of American Jack. Yeah, but nobody seems to know why he's called, why the, why the figure oh, is called I American read that. Jack. Oh, good grief. There's um, a book I read a few years ago, and it was a book to do with um, Welsh folk stories and different things, and I'm sure American Jack, I read about American Jack in there, but I can't remember the story. No. I mean, uh, what you do find is that a lot, a lot of times when you, when you d- start delving, um, that you find that the same story recurs. So you'll have the same story in Langham, and almost a, a duplicate of the story will be in McConthleth, and there'll be another one in North Wales, and they are just urban legends. It's like the Phantom mm. Chikers. They just pop up, the same story just gets repeated around the place. Like the Boogeyman story, you know, these yeah. idea of, uh, I'm going to scare the bejesus out of the kids. And, yeah. Uh, oh, what's the fort at Gelliswick? What's the fort Scover- at Gelliswick? Scover- no, it's not Scoverston. No, it's not Scoverston, not at no. Gelliswick. It's um, Gelliswick. Anyway, there's a real ghost yeah. attached to the fort. One story uh, of a naval officer, and it, it, he did actually, you know, he did end up dead, and he's buried in one of the graveyards around Milford. Uh, but a lot of the kids wouldn't go near the fort. And all of these people were saying, oh, when I was a kid, you know, we all knew the stories of the ghosts up at the fort at Gallowswood Bay. Hubberston. Hubberston Fort at Gallowswood Bay. One of the other, sorry. Yeah, just popped in from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but w- we started digging and saying, well, where did you hear the story and how did you learn of the story? And what it came down to is it was a story that the parents were telling the kids to keep them out of the fort. Ah. And there was an exact duplicate of it from the mining depot in Milford, mm. where it had this reputation for being haunted by something unpleasant. And it was the parents keeping the kids away. Which is a way of keeping the children it's, away. It's the bogeyman, boogeyman stuff, I yeah. guess, isn't it? It's the, but I know these, these folk tales, I was, the, the books I was reading, there was a series of them. And to be honest, they weren't my books. Um, we were staying in a cottage and they'd, they'd got the books there. Did you remember to return them afterwards? Oh, no, we were staying in the cottage, so I left them there after. Yeah. But they were um, local legends mm-hmm. and folk tales and stories so they were around Pembrokeshire Cardigan area mm-hmm. you know Ceredigion way um, and as you said the American Jack one I, I when you said that I remembered mm-hmm. American Jack well is it an American I, I, Jack story from North Wales as well or American yeah, I, they, thing, but these were from North Wales these were, these were more our end yeah no, um, there's there's a similar, you know, when you look in the things, there is a similar, there's Amer- is it American Jim or Joe, which is from North Wales, mm. so it might be. And the story's remarkably similar. And, oh. I, you know, I wonder whether somebody has just come down and repeated it. It might or have it's, been. Or it's been a transplanted story. Yeah. Or it's so just we been need, handed yeah. down from family to family to, you know, sort of, from and just kids. been changed slightly or whatever as they do. Scare the bejesus out of the kids, because there's nothing like mm. a good ghost story to keep your kids out of trouble. I wish it had worked with Kilgarren Castle and my children, but it never did. 
That's got that's got a good ghost story. That's the, got an amazing ghost story. We'll have to tell the story of the castles of West Wales in a future. Oh yes, we'll save that for another edition. show. But uh, yeah, so if you're listening and you know anything, we need help with uh, particularly the aerodromes, uh, the Royal Air Force ones, the Royal Naval ones, and even you know, as they are now, the some of the civilian ones, um, because we've got bits and pieces of ghost stories attached to them, but we don't have any of the details for the the um, our airfields and we're, we're we're a bit behind the curve because over on the east they've got plenty of ghosts so get in touch ronnie's monitoring the social media with her I am. Um, with her red red wine which is a good cue for the next song and then we're <laughs> going to come back and we've got a teller of curious tales to keep us occupied and amused and entertained that'll work for me <laughs> Forties red red wine dedicated to Jessica Turner of Twenty Seven Saint Wherever's Avenue in Liverpool, <laughs> aka Ronnie, yeah, <laughs> no, Ronaldo, whoever, aka the Lush. Uh, don't 
push it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've 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 had a response. So we've we've got uh, we we do have a response about a poltergeist on the on RAF accommodation, um, which we'll come to later. So, um, listen to this space. But we need your help because we're trying to find out are any of the RAF or Royal Naval Air Stations in West Wales, do they have ghosts? We've, we've heard bits of stories, but uh, we want to know more. We want the detail. We want the juicy details. Yeah, and we also, we're trying to find out, um, was it a ghostly horse and carriage in Honeyborough Green last week? Mm, yeah, because that's a new one. Or were you riding your horse through Nayland last week in the middle of the night and if so we want to know why <clears throat> well there is somebody that does have a horse and carriage over oh there's bound to be but you know, I, hey there's way. a new there's a new horse um you know how the horse used to always be tied up at by golden grove in pembroke yeah yeah well it's moved it's oh now, now tied up outside the remains of the cledi reach hotel oh fair enough cledi bridge hotel mm. which looks like it's, it's gone been, up in the world yeah that hotel hasn't though, has it? Looks a bit, mm-hmm. looks a bit rough. No, it's just looking sad. It's very, very sad. Actually, it is. I remember. I've had, I've, I've had um, several meetings and drinks and things there, and it was a mm. fantastic place. Yeah, it is quite sad. Did they ever find the cannon? Um, the cannon went AWOL, didn't it, for a while? They did find the cannon. Oh, that's all right then. But I don't know what's happened to it since. So, ah. I wouldn't like to say. Right, well, I've got a treat for you. Oh, so I pour, like treats. Pour, glug yourself another uh, glass of red, red wine. Red, red wine, um, yes. Prepare to, because um, it ends with your favourite laugh. <laughs> oh, Teller of Curious It's the Teller of Curious Tales, a new episode recorded oh. during lockdown. Oh. Um, so I haven't heard it yet. You haven't heard it? No. Oh, that's good. I don't so you'll be actually fun, listening I? tonight. Yeah, I, I don't want to spoil the fun by uh, listening to it beforehand. No. So, uh, are you settled down? Are you ready? I am very settled. Okay, then here we go with the Teller of Curious Tales lockdown special. Tonight, I, the Teller of Curious Tales, Open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories. True stories, stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen to the Teller of Curious Tales. Students of witchcraft are well aware of the fact that most women who, during the 17th century, were brought to trial for this crime, firmly believed in their powers. When King James attended the trial of Grace Keith, a woman accused of attempting his life by casting a spell, the prisoner admitted that she and the devil conspired to witch up a storm that would sink the ship on which the king was travelling. She attempted to accomplish this by saying incantations over a cat whose paws, for some magical reason, had the knuckles of a dead man tied to them. The cat was baptised and cast into the sea. A storm came up, the ship foundered 
and the king's life had been endangered. Failing to kill his majesty in this manner, Grace now proceeded to bring about his murder in another way. This time, she hung a toad up by its heels so that its venom would drip into an oyster shell. She then tried to bribe someone to steal some of the king's dirty linen in order to cause extraordinary pains, which would continue until his majesty died. All this seems extremely silly, except that there was a storm and the king did suffer excruciating pains. Hence, the prosecution. So Grace Keith was judged guilty, taken to Castle Hill, bound to a stake, strangled, and her body burnt to ashes. But this isn't the end. Here comes the really curious feature of this story. Before she went to her death, she laughed at the prosecutors and said that after they'd burned her body, she would sit in a tree at the crossroads in the form of a crow to torment them forever. And whenever they drove past the crow would caw, the horses would shy, and she would always be present to mock them. Naturally, a legend developed from this. A legend that has come down to the present day. Hearing of it, a young American determined to try the efficacy of the witch's prophecy, drove a horse which had never been within 20 miles of Castle Hill into this crossroads without touching the reins. In the exact spot mentioned in the legend, the horse balked and refused to go forward. He wouldn't budge until he had been blindfolded and led past the spot. The gong strikes. My time is up. The teller of curious tales has closed his book. On my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, curious tales, strange beliefs. Until then, sleep tight. <laughs>
Uh, this one comes from RAF Scampton, another bomber commander field. Um, I was living at RAF Scampton in the 90, late 1980s, and it was well known that the RAF officers' mess didn't like to go, or officers' mess staff didn't like to go from the bar down to the cellar alone, where there were persistent stories of people having experienced unpleasant and unexplained events. The staff at the time didn't like talking about it much, possibly as people would take the mickey. I spoke to one of the barmen in the officers' mess, and he said that some people had felt that there was an unfriendly presence in the cellar corridor. While I was there, one of the pilots of the Red Arrows was the station duty officer, and whilst locking up the mess one uh, last thing one night, he claimed to have seen an apparition in the anteroom of the officers' mess. He described the figure as wearing a World War II flying kit, standing by the fireplace, and it gradually faded away to nothing as he watched. Oh. There we are. Oh, we must have stories at this end. We must. There's actually, I've got a problem with that as an investigator, though. Why? Well, they wouldn't have put their RAF flying kit on in the mess. Mm. They wouldn't have been allowed to for a start off. And those sheepskin flying things were fairly warm affairs. You wouldn't wear that standing next to the fire. That is true. So, that is true. Interesting, though. Or maybe he just came mm. in for a... Because, you know, it might be cold in the afterlife. Maybe he just came in for a warm. It could be simple. RAF Leeming is uh, up in North Yorkshire, moving away from Lincolnshire. Has, um, I think it's, it's probably got one of the most famous airfield, uh, airfield ghosts, and that's the... It even has a name, which I've completely forgotten. Why does um, it But it comes and visits the, the controllers in the control tower at RAF Leeming. And ah. they've, d- they've done a number of documentaries and TV programmes about it. Um, but this isn't that one. This is another one uh, from uh, somebody who got in touch. And they said, many moons ago, uh, a friend of mine had to lock up the hangar at RAF Leeming at the end of the day. There were not many airmen happy with this duty as there was a long-standing rumour about the hangar being haunted. So it was winter time and dark. And he asked the guy who... T- um, to stand by the main, he asked another RAF guy to stand by the main entrance as he locked up all the offices and turned out the lights. Um, and he said, "Can you keep the door open so that the last of the lights there would be you know, some light from outside, uh, from the street lighting, um, so that he could find his way back out and make himself a little bit more uh, less nervous." Anyway, as the airman was locking up, an officer came over to him and asked if he had seen his navigator. No, he replied, and the officer left by the main door, uh, walking past the other guy, the one guarding the door. Yeah. They locked the hangar, and then they went over to the naffy for um, probably something like an Earl Grey or um, a fruit scone. You know, they're they're not hard drinkers. No, no, no. Um, As they were walking back towards the naffy, the airman who had been locking up asked his friend what he thought about the officer who was looking for the navigator. He seemed to be dressed a little oddly. And the reply was, what officer? Well, the one that just walked right past you. Well, nobody's been anywhere near me while you were locking up. And on reaching the naffy, they asked around and they found out the full story of the ghost. Apparently during World War II, a navigator jumped out of um, the plane whilst it was parked outside the hangar. uh, And the pilot had kept the engines running and the navigator walked straight into the propeller. The pilot realised something had happened and he jumped out to see see if he could help and did exactly the same thing. Really? 
and um, apparently the accident was a legitimate accident, a very unfortunate and tragic legitimate accident, uh, but it was reported, or it's now believed, that this is the pilot uh, walking the hangar, uh, which is built very close to the spot where um, the accident took place. He adds an intriguing line that I also think R.E.F. Halton has got some good ghost stories too. So that was helpful. He didn't, t he didn't include any, but he suggested it might be. So, yeah, we're, we're trying to find out the details of the Pembrokeshire airfield ghosts. There must be some. We've heard bits of stories about um, the airfields having ghosts. And I refuse to believe that they don't have ghost stories attached to them. I know there are stories relating to Withy Bush Woods. Certainly the flying boat base at um, Pembroke Dock has got ghost stories attached to it but we don't know the details and that's the problem we 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 do need our listeners on this one we do we need you to be our detectives mm. our eyes and ears our ghost investigators um, yes or at least do. tell us the stories uh, or if you know somebody that does know a story put us in touch with them that would be incredibly helpful it would be amazing uh, meanwhile while you're thinking of ghost stories i'm going to play some music okay
Charlie James, and here's the latest from Pembrokeshire. Early morning enforcement patrols are on the hunt for any campers using Pembrokeshire County Council car parks as overnight camping spots. Civil enforcement officers have been carrying out early morning patrols and issuing fines to those who have been illegally camping overnight in both council-run car parks and those managed by the Pembrokeshire Coast National Park Authority. Over the last week, over 25 fines have been issued and the council has warned that the patrols will continue. Cabinet Member for Infrastructure, Councillor Phil Baker, said, Unfortunately, people have been using our car parks to camp overnight and I am aware that in some cases antisocial behaviour is also occurring in the car parks. I urge everyone to use our car parks for parking only and not for other purposes. As an authority, we are obliged to enforce the conditions relating to each car park. We trust that everyone who uses our car parks will enjoy their visit and leave with a smile on their face. 
Customers using car parks are asked to respect social distancing rules and park according to the conditions. The car parks are in place to provide convenient parking to beaches, beauty spots and access to town centres. For details of charges in council-run coastal and town centre car parks, you can go online to pembrokeshire.gov.uk. Farmer shareholders at Puffin Produce have relinquished control of the cooperative in a management buyout deal. The potato, vegetable and flower specialist was majority owned by its growers in Pembrokeshire, but they have sold 50% of their stake in the business to managing director Hugh Thomas and finance director John Langmead. Life Crown Investments, which had a 49% stake in Puffin and has been a partner in the business for over 25 years, acquired the remaining 1% of their shareholding. Rosemarket farmer Richard Heyman, who chairs the company that held the growers' shares, said the board felt that the time was now right for change. He said growers were confident that the new company structure would ensure a successful potato and vegetable business in Pembrokeshire for the future. Following the restructuring, Mr Thomas pledged that it would be business as usual. A David Powers police sergeant who lost her job after the man she loved was convicted of armed robbery will be signing copies of her book Warts and All at Victoria Bookshop in Haverford West. Jill Owens recently published her book Two Cops and a Robber, telling the story of her discovery that the father of her unborn baby had been arrested for armed robbery. An investigation by David Powers Police found Jill guilty of breaching the police code of conduct and she was forced to resign. To this day, she maintains that she knew nothing of her then-partner's involvement in organised crime and this year published a book telling her side of the story. She said the book still continues to sell and gain momentum. It's currently being pitched to the main channels by a well-known producer with a view to doing a multi-part documentary this year. Haverford West's Victoria Bookshop is hosting Jill